We were in the shed, but our special guest never showed up. So now you're just going to have to deal with us. I know, I know. It's kind of like the same as most of our other episodes, except for I just want you to be a bit disappointed. His alternator blew up. He had a good reason. Well, he did have a good reason, but the upshot is the same for us. Good reason, bad reason, you know, up, down, doesn't matter. Not here, so you're stuck with us. So enjoy. We will, because we always do. Here we go. So KJ, should you try that cigar now? Or no? Oh, you know what? There is nothing like the smell of cigar in a room. Uh-huh. It's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. We have a 37-year-old. There's nobody, nobody who I would rather sit and smoke a cigar with than you and Rich. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> true. It's yeah, true. yeah. And I would love to, but I just can't even have a puff. Why is that? Because I, you know, when I quit smoking, just having a drag or two was enough to get me started again. Even at this age, I wouldn't. And you don't. I mean, by nature, the fact that I would be kicked out of the house um, <laughs> and divorced. In that order? Uh, yeah. That would prevent me from getting addicted, but yeah, I know I couldn't do it. But what KJ is holding in his hands here is the cigar that we believe that Sue and I got in 1985 when we were on our honeymoon. Well, we should have a picture of it. And it's a lovely uh, Monte Cristo Habana with a B, not a V. And this is, oh, look at that. That's just, that's, that looks like mahogany. Yeah. So it's, it really does. It's It's a a very lightweight wood. There's a little liner. Oh my goodness. A wood liner. And so Sue of Burnaby had read that if stored properly, an old cigar is like a fine wine that's been aged. But if not stored properly, we're worried that this could be a dry, ultra-stale cigar. So it all depends on whether it was kept sealed or not. Right. Take a picture of the end of it, because there's no hole in the end. That means you have to clip it. Yeah, you, you would clip it with a cigar cutter. Right. Which you don't have. Which I don't have, but I think you also bite off the end. I, I've seen that. <laughs> That's what they do in the Westerns. That's right. Oh, right. John Wayne would do that, for example. And I'm just going to bite off. You going to bite it or do you have some scissors or no? I got scissors, but I want to be. Okay. Like John Wayne. This you're going to know. Chance. If it just basically oh. crumbles into your mouth, you're going to know it. Well, I can certainly smell a bit of cigar in there. And you can drag through. Yeah, like very few cigar smokers inhale, right? Well, and some I think do it minorly, but it's just to get that in your mouth, right? Now, you don't smoke a lot of cigars. Does it have kind of a stale taste to it, or or is it a finely aged Cuban Habana cigar? Well, I would say that uh, I don't think that it's finely aged. It seems to me that if I've opened a cigar, like a Christmas cigar or something, it's, it's almost wet. Right. right, it's so fresh. Right, you know, right. That it's, yes, it's probably shrink wrapped in. Yes, I mean, but I, it's been a long time since I've ever done that. But it's burning well. I think there's nothing wrong with this. Really? Yeah, that's like, surprising. Like really, that's surprising. Really? Yeah. You'd think that it would have gone bad over time, but yeah. Apparently, got- this little, this nice metal cap, and guess what? There's a tiny bit of cork in the cap. Uh huh. So it seals. Well. I don't know. Now, can you smell that in the air now? Not yet. I thought I caught a little tiny mm. no, soup No, because that's the... I always l- loved walking into it, because I think we always smoked a cigar uh, when opening Christmas presents. Is that right? That was a thing? Yeah. After a certain age. 
Yeah, or not. Who knows? Like Who knows in my family? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I have a puff of that, Dad? Have a cigar. Get over here. You'll be a man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just the smell. For some reason, somebody smokes cigars around Christmas, but the smell of walking into a room where somebody smoked a cigar is kind of yeah. sexy. Yeah, but the worst smell on earth is the smell of old cigar butts in the ashtray. See, that smells old to me. It doesn't have that fresh oh, yeah? smell. It smells sort of sawdusty as opposed to tobacco-y. It looks like a nice stick, right, buddy? I just barely notice it, so I can't can't tell yet. But it doesn't... Hmm, no, I'm... Oh, I got a little whiff there. Like autumn leaves burning instead of cigar. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kevin Nealon was telling a story about when he's a child and his dad caught him smoking cigarettes. He says, so my dad uh, got me home and said, sit down, son. And he pulled out a cigar. He made me smoke the whole thing from the beginning to the end, he said. And it was great. (laughs) And then he says, uh, a little while later, dad caught me smoking a joint. (laughs) So dad set me aside and he got out a needle and he gave me a shot of heroin. Well, it's just like that joke about your wife is on the roof that you told a couple of episodes ago. It's the same sort of thing. Grandma's on the roof. Well, if that's all right with everybody, I think I'll... Uh, you can just uh, tap it out. I think I'll just set it down. I think they it'll go out on its own. And, okay. and maybe we'll mount it on the cigarette machine. Yeah. So listeners, if you find an old cigar, don't necessarily throw it out, especially if it has a cork cap on it. By the same token... This is a metal tube. Don't necessarily smoke it. I had some brilliant money-making ideas, but Rich has already poo-pooed them, so I've lost my will to pitch. Mm. I know. It's just, you know, instant. No, didn't I reserve the uh, the obvious downsides of those ideas for this? And I believe that's exactly how you phrased it, <laughs> which so. would be, a, you know, yeah, <laughs> that would really dampen my enthusiasm <laughs> when the first and only thing you mention are the obvious downsides of my money-making I thought you've been specifically choosing uh, money-making ideas with obvious downsides because they yes. make for more fun in the shed. That is correct, actually. <laughs> the, it's, it's not so much they have downsides. They're just evidently stupid, right? <laughs> like, But again, and this comes up every time we have these, the remarkable thing is how many of these stupid ideas have actually been done in some form that sort of makes sense. Right, right, yeah. You know, like the the, the noisemaker for electric cars. It was actually done. That yeah. one really blew me away. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Who's doing that? And f- furthermore, they're building it into high-end cars like BMWs years ago. And yeah. Just, just what just the wild. hell? But yes, these ones, well, I guess we may as well not keep our listeners in suspense, Right. No, let's let's roll with what what uh, great ideas well, do you have now? Well, so over the Christmas holiday and when you're us, every day is a holiday, kind of great. I did jigsaw puzzles. So I did a 500-piecer with my daughter. It was kind of fun. I got all excited, went out, bought another one. By mistake, it was a 1,000-piecer and she would have nothing to do with it. And I spent many hours completing it because, of course, I'm just completely impulsive enough to have to finish it. And as a sidebar, uh, of those many, many hours, what percent were you enjoying yourself? About 50%. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually not bad. Yeah. It, it, how I, I did think about that quite a bit. Cause I mean, typically I would be able to have about a two hour go and the first hour, pretty good. You know, the first hour you sit down, eyes and mind are fresh. Typically you'll get two or three pieces 
pretty much right off the bat, you know, where you left off. Oh, well, that one, doof, and it goes, now you're excited. And that carries you for a good hour because you have a few more. Yeah. But then my theory is you begin to tire and your powers of observation begin to wane mm. and you start having less and less success and more and more frustration, but you still have, and you begin to struggle and you begin to, you know, this is, it's in the second hour when you start doing things like forcing pieces <laughs> or becoming <laughs> angry that these colors are too close to each other, those kinds of things. <laughs> So I would say of all the hours, about half were spent unhappy and the other half were spent keen. So my money-making idea, because, and this, this money-making idea stems out of those second hours. <laughs> it occurred to me that many people find jigsaw puzzles a little pedestrian and they, they sometimes deliberately seek out more difficult puzzles, like ones that are just all white snowstorm on the glacier, you know, and it's just all white. <laughs> and I thought for those people, we should have normal jigsaws that have extra pieces in them. And you just put it on there. There's a thousand piece puzzle comes with a thousand fifty pieces. And is it all white, this puzzle? No, oh. no, you don't do that. But you just, okay. you just spice up the regular puzzle with, mm, with 50 rando extra pieces. extra pieces. And do those 50 pieces fit anywhere? Well, you know, you get an option there. You could say they're 50 pieces from a, you know, Pinocchio puzzle and you're doing Harry Potter. You're never going to know. As long as they're cut from the same die, you never, okay. that would make it too easy to identify. Or an alternative, same flavor. You could say this is a thousand piece puzzle and we've put 2000 pieces in the box. In other words, we had two copies of the same puzzle in this box, but they're not cut from the same die, but it's the same picture. Two different dies, so two thousand. That's super hard. I know, and that's the appeal. That's where it's all coming from. No more, you know, snowstorm in a glacier. You just get the two thousand piecer and bend your brain on. I think. I think there's a niche market out there for that. There's a huge market, a giant niche. Well, you'd start out small too. You just have your two fifty pieces. Or- sure, yeah. Start out with the ones that little kids do, so that they become permanently discouraged early in life. <laughs> oh, intruder alert! I think Buddy's excited about the puzzle idea. <laughs> yeah, no, so. that's a puzzle squared. That's super difficult. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's awful. I think it's great though, and. Just as a side, not to relate anything, uh, Sue and I had a conversation about, you know, when you start forcing? Yes. <laughs> well, everybody knows, right? Everybody that's done a jigsaw puzzle knows about forcing pieces together, hoping to God they're not really forcing it. That, no, that fits. It's just a little snug. It's Pushing all, it's a fine. little harder than normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does it. And she has noticed in her travels, because she's a more uh, committed jigsaw puzzler than I hope ever I will be. And she's noticed that there are some manufacturers where that is way too easy to do. Yes. Yeah. And so this is just more of a question. I think, was for, it called Cobble Hill? Yes. Yeah, well done, yeah. RJ. This is sort of a question for you guys more than anything. It's, so I proposed a theory to her the other day that said, Okay, I have to back up a step because there's really two theories. The first one is these puzzles are manufactured by printing an image on a great big piece of sort of cardboardy material and then stamping it with a big metal die. 
that just cuts all the pieces and yeah. shoveling all the pieces. Yeah. So if that's correct, and I don't know if it is or not, but if it's correct, then you can have a picture of anything and just stamp it with this die, right? So you can yes. make an infinite number of puzzles with the same die. Well, that's die. what they do, basically. Pieces would all fit, but I would assume that the die wears out or becomes so. duller, and that makes the spaces between the pieces bigger, and that makes them easier to mistakenly well. piece together. I think so, yeah. And that that's my And that theory. probably explains why they even changed the die, because they do. Because we needed a replacement piece, and they, and they shipped us an entire puzzle because it's easier to do that than to figure out what piece she needs. And uh, yeah, the places where the pieces were cut were yeah. completely different. The patterns. So my theory is they'll have like six or seven or eight machines that each take a die that cuts pieces into a pattern and they just sort of randomly run pictures printed on cardboard through oh, them. I will bet that you can watch the process on YouTube. Yeah, I haven't tried that. I, I have. And, and is that roughly what they do? Stamp them like that? Yep, yep. Well, I guess another thought that that raises for the extreme jigsaw puzzlers out there is if you're the manufacturer, you take a picture of a barn in a field and you stamp it with one pattern. And somehow you take all those pieces and separate them into two piles or four piles of 250 each, let's say. And then the next one comes in and it's a picture of a forest with a mountain in the background and a cabin and a stream in the foreground. You stamp it with the same pattern, split it into four piles, and you start building up piles of pieces that all go together in one. Because there are a lot of people who really just love the shape matching business, right? Uh. They go fully like, I mean, Sue was telling me that Rich and Sue's daughter, Hannah, really, really strongly avoids looking at the image of the completed puzzle before she starts. She goes as far as to take the lid of the box that has the image on it and use it to hold the pieces so she can't look at it. So think about and that. So she's looking, she's actually looking for shapes. Well, she's doing color match, obviously, but she's not doing it within the context of an overall picture at uh. all. She's doing it with this is sort of a dark blue. Let's look and see through this massive pile, all the dark bluish pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you sort of think, if you wanted to do shape finding extreme, you could mix four puzzles together. Yeah. Just make sure that, of course, you've got all the shapes of piece to make a complete square, but it would make the colors and the picture completely irrelevant. So you couldn't do color matching. Oh, because- so you're not saying that there would be... No. Four pieces of puzzle no. in the finished thing. Ideally, just- you would have 250 pieces randomly selected out of each of four different images, all of which go together to make one complete sheet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. And that would... I like it, Skin. Drive I'm, I'm going to invest, and I'll, I'll tell my <laughs> fellow... No, you're going to reap 10%. Oh, excellent. When listeners excellent. hear this and run run to their investment groups with it, we'll get 10%. I like it too, but I think it's changed since you first brought it up. Oh no, it's just evolved. There's a bunch of flavors. There's a bunch of flavors here. So, okay. So the extra 23 pieces, which you talked about at one point, that was just to make it more difficult. Yeah. That's, that's just to, you're, you're holding the piece and you think where the bloody hell. And the answer is it doesn't go anywhere. Gotcha. It's just extra. But it's sort of similar in color. Like yeah. It's, it might be 23 extra pieces from this exact puzzle. So like every now and then, I'm sure a piece gets caught in the little die cutter thing and they have to throw out the whole deal, right? So just take 
40 or 50 of those thrown out pieces and toss them in the box with the complete puzzle of the same image, not even the same die, but the same image. And then, you know, sell it that way. Includes 50 random pieces. Brilliant. Oh, I just, just I brilliant. love it. The whole wow. thing. As you can see, doing these puzzles, you got to distract yourself somehow. It's just maddening. Well, while PJ has been talking about his excellent idea, I have found the most perfect video we'll put into the show notes, a link to it, but it's, you know, the Ravensburger Corporation? Nope, but okay. It's European kind of high quality. They tend to cost 50% more, the jigsaw puzzles, and there's a lot of thousands. It's just an amazing three and a half minute video that starts with the artwork and you know how they fine tune the artwork, how they layer the cardboard. Oh yeah, um, and then how they make the dies. And it's funny, like uh, wait, don't tell me, Swiss gnome craftsman, right? <laughs> That's so. making the dies. I'm pretty Mallets sure they're European Ravensburger to me sounds uh, German. <laughs> Ausland. But I don't really know. Maybe maybe it'll be one of those companies that sounds European but isn't. I don't really know. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll put a link into this. It's pretty awesome. Oh, excellent! Is it a drum shaped thing that no, rolls? No, it's a big it's flat just a big thing. press. Okay, and they show the guy hammering through it. So there's some manual processes involved. I guess that's to make absolutely sure the cuts are complete. And then the other thing that I wondered about when I was thinking about this was how do they keep pieces from getting stuck in the cutter? Like it comes down, doof, cuts a thousand pieces, and then it lifts up. Well, how do they make sure none are stuck There's in a it? shake at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Another swift craftsman gnome comes in with a little ice pick and just dips them all out of there. He has to be short to fit under the thing. And when they talk about the plural of die, it's dice. Just like... It is just, not. Yeah. Just like when you roll one, it's so, rolling a die. So at Ravensburger. And you roll two, it's rolled dice. And then in this video, they're referring to the dice. Wow. Isn't that something else? That is something else. So at the Ravensburger factory. Like a, a separate big. Yeah, they got eight machines. That's a die. And there's if there's two of them there, there's the dice. There's a pair of dice you, right there. You know there. what I think yeah. it is, is um, each cell, each puzzle piece, they can, even though it's all big matrix, they call each piece a die. Uh, and then the whole, the whole, whole array of pieces is called yeah. the dice. Uh, so is it a dicer or just a dice? I guess it's a dicer. <laughs> that must be where slicing and dicing comes from. Look, we're evolving snappers oh, the other way. Wow. <laughs> Retrofitting snappers. Far out, man. <laughs> so we should just remind everyone that the dog spilled bong water all over the place at the opening of this episode. I don't know if that's affecting content here or not. Could be. Could be. But he seems to be a little spaced out right now. Yeah. He's suddenly mellow. Now, what was, uh, do you have, I had some other brilliant idea on that. That one went way better than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. You know what I thought it was? And I had it wrong right from the start. The reason I was poo-pooing, it was. Because that's what you do. It's I just thought be... you were putting the extra 23 pieces in there in case a piece gets lost. No. <laughs> I was no. thinking, come on. You you're not going to lose one of those 23. You're going to lose one of the other ones. Well, and that's, yeah, <laughs> that, that makes the extra 23 even more irritating because you still could lose a piece and still be SOL. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Wooden hockey sticks. I was just shocked the other day when I was in a crappy tire to realize that they're even still making those things. 
And then I started Googling around about it and, you know, in various fora, guys are saying, yeah, old guys, we like the weight and the length hmm. and late weight for the poke check, the slash, and they're cheaper. And I just thought, I wonder... Because a regular hockey stick these days, not well, wood is... I get mine at Costco, which is about as cheap as you can get, and they're about 70 bucks, 68 bucks for a... So I take it your entire team... Oh, everybody. Never uses wood. I haven't seen a wooden stick. Like okay. I said, when I walked into that Canadian tire, I was looking for something else. And they here on the rack were actual wooden... First, I thought... You know what I thought they were? I thought they were carbon fiber sticks that just were made to look like wood for sort of yeah. some sort of retro yeah. fun. But no, they're even more retro than that. They're actual wooden sticks. And is the CCM uh, company still in business? Oh, yeah. But they I don't know if they do sticks. I don't know who all makes them. I just... The reason everybody uses carbon fiber, and this moderate interest for everybody, but way better shooting characteristics and way more consistent. It doesn't change over time, doesn't absorb water and get heavy. The blade doesn't go all noodly because it's just been flexed too often. Mm. Wood and does all that stuff. Like wood. Yeah. Well, it's been about as long since I took a slap shot as it has been since I owned a wooden stick. So mm. that's really what kills wooden sticks. Anyway. Um, news, gentlemen, to report. Shit, this is actual infrastructure shed news. There is a working sink in the bathroom. Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't that exciting news? That is really good. So all of that shame and guilt about going to the bathroom and not washing our hands, it's over now. Yeah. No, I if always... You, you don't have to wash them. You just leave the door shut. I didn't notice that you know. weren't washing your hands. I'm just disgusted. I always made a show of walking over to the sink and turning the water on. And we knew eating. that was purely performative. <laughs> we knew. Like, you're just turning the water on, standing there looking at your watch, turn the water well, he on. Says, well, he says, oh, the towels are over on the side there. And I go, huh? Towels? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, towels. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's actually all kind of gross. I think we should probably just edit all this. <laughs> Did you got hot water in there? <laughs> yes, again, all, all the modern amenities, hot water. And here's you do the, not, do you? Here's yeah, the because trick. he has the shower. He has to have hot water. Here's Where's the, the water heater? Where is it? Here's the trick. Okay. When you go in, before you pee, turn the water on, and by the time you finish peeing, the okay. water will be warm. So oh, that answers that question. Comes all the way from the house. Yeah, the hot water heater is about 60 feet that way. Wow. Such a... Isn't it? I know. This is a, a great, this is great news. I You're know, pretty excited to tell oh, us no, this. No, no, don't, no. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm now excited. He's backpedaling. No. <laughs> but I thought, why do you think I asked with such excitement? Is there hot water? And then he gave me that sort of not a yes or no answer. What I heard is there's no hot water, oh, is there? That's what I heard. What yes, heard? of course, that's what you heard. But Skinny, what what did you think? Where did you think the hot water in that sink came from? Or did you not know that there was hot water in that sink? I never even thought about it, honestly. I knew there was hot water in that sink, too. Well, that's so much farther. The bathroom's so much farther away, right? And I would also like to report as a do-it-yourself home renovator that the I want to say the whole thing went... Without a hitch, except for one tiny thing that I might never tell anybody, but... No, what what was the glitch? What happened? Well, the glitch was, is I got a faucet that's a single handle, and so most sinks have three holes in case you have that yep. right. coming, one tube coming up to each. Anyway, this doesn't, but the sink only has one hole, and the faucet attaches through those two mm. side holes no. with a screw underneath, so... Cleverly, I have diamond 
drill bits uh, exactly that size to put. So I got a little post under each faucet where the faucets should be, a little post. So I just got to drill two little holes through the ceramic, which I do. Unfortunately, beneath the top of the ceramic, there's a whole molding of the sink that does is not... I sort of thought if I go through the top, it'll be the You're wide good. open spaces. Yeah. But no, no, no. There's a whole catacomb of inside ceramic, but it's also not It's not level or square or anything. It's kind of rounded. And so wow. what I did, <laughs> this is what I did. The Cromer would call this bush league, but I snipped off my little posts. So the thing sits flat nicely, and I construction glued the shit out of them. So that these little posts, which are maybe three quarters of an inch long, just sit into solid glue. And that's, and I put heat under there for three days. <laughs> what, so that it would cure nicely? Yes, because I kept, uh, you'd, I'd touch the end of the caulking gun where the, and it, it remains soft for quite some time, I noticed. Even though that, that little bit is exposed to the air, it remains soft for many hours, let me say. Anyway, I am quite satisfied this is now perhaps five days later that without any crazy parties going on in there if you if you're gentle with the faucet they should just stay right where they are i suspect you don't have to worry about gentleness or not i'm thinking about so how many times have you been doing a bathroom reno you know and you're under there trying to get the sink apart and you're cursing away because uh, nuts are a little rusty or whatever it is you just can't get the thing out right finally you get it in the sink just imagine the poor schmo who's going to try to reno this bathroom. Exactly. He's going to be up there with like a jackhammer <laughs> yeah. trying to drill away all this. Yeah. I mean, this, how, how do you even get this in here? Does this guy preserve this sink in amber under here? What's going on? <laughs> like, is this liquid marble? Or what? But the faucets removable? Yeah. Are they there for life too? Or are they anchored with Because those faucets sink? only last 10 years. No, or no. So. It's just the one stick, right? Yeah. Is that removable from the top? It probably is with a tiny little Allen key, but I don't I don't know about yeah. that. No, I, I mean, would I would just replace it. You can change out the question he's trying to ask is you're gonna be able to change out that tap in spite of this massive glue deposit, right? Oh it, yeah, it would involve a little bit of trickery. Oh. Oh yes it would. <laughs> oh, nice question then, RJ. I wasn't even gonna ask but, I just assumed. Holmes on Holmes yeah. is not gonna approve. No He's gonna kidding. say, You're gonna need a whole new sink here. You're gonna see a guy bashing his thumb up as he tries to use a sledgehammer and a chisel. On the on the <laughs> Anyway, I intend to die in this house so that nobody will have to uh, live through that renovation. Actually, that just means you won't have to. Well, I take it used selfish, to be a selfish right, person. Because right. I use budget taps. You know, I always buy the $35 ones from Canadian Depot. Tire. Yeah. And I seem to be replacing them every seven or eight years, you know. That gives you something to do. And I just don't, I mean, did I tell you? Did <laughs> that oh. gives you something to do. Yeah. Skinny, there's very few people who think like that in this world. <laughs> men, especially men. You know, we think that every guy would be able to... Oh, yeah, change out set of taps, piece of cake. Well, kind of pleasant, in fact. As long as your cutoffs work, it's sort of a fun job. But no, but no. <laughs> There's a lot of people who don't know how to, oh, Dude, my God. Yeah. Lucky us. I was just joking about this with uh, somebody yesterday. You know, I mean, the, the thing was a conversation about teaching uh, people even older than us how to use technology. Right. 
So how do I get my mom onto WeChat and how do I get her to understand how WeChat works so that she can join groups of her friends here and in China? It's hard, right? It's very difficult to do that talking. And the question became, I wonder what kind of technology is going to arise in the next 15 or 20 years that our kids or grandkids are going to just be struggling to get us to understand uh, yeah. even moderately. And I said, I don't know. But when the big one hits, when the big one comes, my Boy Scout skills and all those decades of keeping crappy cars running, I'll be a god among men. You will. Because, because just as you say, there's so many people who just have no idea about yeah. anything, just nothing. I don't know any of them, but they, they're out there, that's for sure. Well, we finished watching Treadstone. Yeah, and was it everything you hoped for? No, I'd give it two and a half stars. So listeners, RJ and I were talking about this thing, and on other episodes, he's mentioned some difficulty that he sometimes encounters, keeping track of all the characters in a book he's reading or a show he's watching, to the extent where he'll diagram it, you know, like, I don't know. I don't even think normal people ever do that, but if they did, they would use a paper and pen, probably. So the other day, I was at his house, and I see... The diagram is, it's a produced on a computer, has actual screen images of the various characters and their names and backgrounds and relationships to each other. And my thought was, it would take me way more time to make this picture than it would to watch the whole series, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think so. I Like I did it based on the uh, recaps of the first three episodes. So you go on the web ah. and you do search and you do the recaps. And then I find the pictures in various methods. And so I build a little relationships chart. <laughs> so a, a character, there's a photo of them, there's their name. In small text, there's some things about them, about their background. And then there's relationship lines between the characters. And then there's a little text about the relationship, like is married to that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, my, my thought is just the knowledge you have to have just to produce this chart. And I would say that was after I'd watched three episodes and I would say, sure, I'll bet you it took me three hours to do the yeah. chart. And, uh, it actually helps a lot. Like there are a lot of these kind of busy series that have yeah. too many characters, too many storylines. Um, this one was particularly bad because it's, it's about these uh, cicadas that are, that are agents that have been trained, their old personalities kind of removed, and then they're trained to become excellent assassins, but they don't know they're assassins. Born was the first example of that. And uh, then they get awoken by a key phrase. And that's great, except for there's like eight of them in this series. So now you got eight main characters in a sense plus the main CIA bosses the puppet masters. and this and that. And the, yeah, the bad guys, of course they're Russian, right? But of course also senior CIA people are bad as well. Yeah, yeah it's just ridiculous. And so, and, and my memory for names and faces is actually pretty bad at this point. So all you need is two young guys with beards and mustaches. They're the same person, <laughs> really. You know, they can have, you know, if I'm watching for it, I'll spot a different hairstyle. I might manage to remember that, but it's just, yeah. so, yeah, so it helped my enjoyment of it greatly, but it turned out it wasn't that great of a series. I don't recommend Treadstone listeners. I mean, there's, unless, although there's a certain kind of, it's a certain kind of pattern to it, isn't there? There's going to be five fight scenes every episode. There's going to be two car chases every episode. This is on average. It's not yeah. precisely. And the fight scenes are going to be ridiculous because they're just going to be hammering each other in the head, literally with hammers. 
and still surviving it. And they're going to be a little bit busted up at the end. Yeah. And to their credit, they stay a little busted up for the rest of the episode. The beginning of the episode, they're looking just awesome. Yeah. The next episode. Well, yeah, but a bunch of time is assumed to have elapsed, like a week or two before the next series of events. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But it's the old and the car shake, please. This car chase problem has been there since time immemorial. Can you please stop it? Why do you have our heroes in a Ferrari? Yeah. And they're being chased by someone in a 73 Beetle with 20 <laughs> horsepower. And the Beatles keeping up with them all the way through around yeah. the corners and everything. Would you stop that? Yeah. It's just disbelief does not get suspended. Yeah. You just stay in disbelief through the whole thing. Please, why, why do, do, do they have to do that? I don't know why they do All do they that. need to do is make the chase vehicle a similar quality vehicle. Then it becomes a lot more exciting. Well, and you'll see lots of them, but then you, I have seen lots of movies where the chase vehicle, it's usually they're set in Europe and some European It's going to be an force. Audi. Yeah, it's a BMW. The bad guys are in the Audi. The good guys are in... A Beamer, maybe. Yeah. So it's at least kind of in the league a little. But yes, there are lots of movies where you just kind of think... Or or alternatively, the cop's driving a BMW and your hero is driving a Ford Econoline. Yes, yes. And somehow the cops aren't catching it. Like, come on. You know. Would you just stop it, right? Try a little harder. Yes, and then uh, inevitably there would be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. And you just go, oh, they're going to turn out to be an agent. (laughs) Yep, they turn out to be an agent. Suddenly the wife busts out of a room, levels a gun, and shoots the bad guy who's about to kill you at the end of a big fight with hammers to the heads and stuff like that. Yeah. So Treadstone, probably pretty good if you like this kind of stuff. Six out of ten. Five out of six out of ten. Six out of ten. I'm going to give it six out of ten. Yeah, and and just barely worth it. And don't watch it if you have problems remembering faces. (laughs) So, friend of the show, Cam from Voices of Vancouver, was in touch with RJ, and he mentioned this product that he's been using. It's called Chat GTP. Which what exactly? Like I read the blurbs, Rich, but tell us. I think the easiest way to remember those three letters is that they're on alphabetical order. So are you telling me that you told me GTP in error earlier today? I'm telling you, I never did say GTP. Well, uh, I... Well, the, it'll be on the tape. I wonder if it will. I think you said... Is it GPT? It's GPT, just like you said, yeah. I thought oh. it was... Chat GPT. Well, now I'm not interested in talking about it at all because <laughs> the whole focus of the conversation has been I'm wrong again. So, like, why bother? I'm just... So, guys, I was talking to Cam... Who cares? ...of Vancouver... <laughs> formerly of Sherwood Park, about a little tool he uses extensively called ChatGPT. And I bet you about half of our listeners have heard of it. The other half that haven't heard of it, this is one of those technological things that comes along not every year, not every six months, not every three years. It's every decade or so. So you had Google come along in the early 2000s. They changed the whole way the internet works simply because they realized that searching with and is better than searching with or. No, seriously. Remember Metacrawler? You know, you do a search, right? And with great pride, Metacrawler would say, hey, I found 28,000 sites. Yeah. Like, oh, that's good. Is it good? I wish you'd only found one. Because I don't want to have to wade through 20,000. And then, because you would say, I want a uh, dog training. 
right? And and Metacrawler would give you every site about dogs, every site about training, even if you're training children to play piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, like, it was useless. Well, it was useless, when, but it was way less useful, that's for sure. So you'd say dog training in Google, and it would go, oh, okay, sites with both dog and training yeah. in them. Yeah. Preferably with the two words together, you know, like, yeah. anyway. Well, that's way too much detail for this intro. It is. So anyway, these things come along every this 10 years, like Google in the early yeah, 2000s or, uh, I don't know, television in the 1940s, whenever it first came out. Jello. Yes. Jello. Jello is another one that only comes along every yeah. 10 years. Um, yeah. So chat GPT is something to really pay attention to. Uh, so Cam was telling me, all the different ways he uses it, and he uses it in many different aspects of his life. Pretty well anything that involves any kind of writing, of serious writing, not writing a quick email, but, you know, writing a document, writing a contract, writing a design. It can be helped immensely by telling ChatGPT what you're looking for, and it'll say, well, how's this? And it gives you a, a starter. You can edit it and work with it. So listeners, that's by way of introduction. We are going to have Cam on here. He was due to come to this session, but he had an alternator blow up and chat GPT just couldn't fix that for Damn. him. Although it did write an excellent note to a mechanic booking a date. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The only thing I've noticed is that American schools have already not allowed it. Yeah, much like they not allowed calculators, like they not allowed word processors, like they not allowed yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff that's now yeah, constantly well, used. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, kids got to know how to use this, oh. get into artificial intelligence if, if yeah, because everybody, everybody will use it, right? Yeah. Yes. And if you're worried about the gap between our real knowledge and our ability to use technology, that ship sailed a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, and everything that pairs up with it, right? Yeah, like which sounds like about everything. Right, and the, when you talk about when the big one hits, the big one is like a, a nuclear bomb in the air that actually shuts down all yeah, that technology. Yeah, or anything that uh, throws us back off our current reliance on technology and onto a more subsistence type of existence. That's yeah. all I'm talking about. Yeah, but even... Earthquake. Yeah, wiping out the, the electrical system yeah, you know, on a massive scale or something. Yeah. And yeah, all of those things is what I kind of joke about there. I listened to a podcast the other day that was about that, KJ. About? It was a teacher who uses it extensively in her classes. And she talked about how she uses it, chat GPT, yeah. So she doesn't just say, hey, students, you can use it, whatever, however you use it. She's actually teaching them how to use it. Secondary students? Grade nine or 10. I think uh, maybe 10 and 11. I'm not sure which. Oh, so it is sort of that much in the market then. Yeah, so that teacher would just have specific times that she would have her students use it to come up with these kind of things, a list of things that they should do to finish an assignment. And of course, other teachers are concerned about it and not happy that she's using it. So all this, you know, the force of technology is always going to be friction and there should be friction because, you know, you don't want to just go along with whatever the latest tech is. There's got to be naysayers to kind of checks and balances, if you will. The model is ChatGPT proposes writing and then you fine tune it. Mm-hmm. So basically we'll put you out of work for doing our weekly, for doing our episode doing blurbs. blurbs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. poof. But my job's still going to be there. 
I yeah. can still collect a salary for that. Yeah, that's right. It's excellent. So we can throw the editing at you now too, because, oh no, sorry, I'll have to do more editing because I don't have <laughs> Maybe to Maybe ChatGPT can do the editing for us at some point <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's mainstreaming out getting there anyway. I mean, I went on there today and it said, sorry, too busy. You're going to have to come back later. So, um, Cam told me that it had the fastest growth rate, faster growth rate than Facebook. So if if you think about Facebook, when it caught on there, um, it grew pretty fast, but chat GPT went from zero to a million users in like two weeks or some crazy thing like that. Right. And this is, uh, I believe it's all on a site called open AI. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And that's, it's free artificial intelligence technology free for now that's right free for now and they they've said publicly they've said that they're going to charge for it and and i can see that they could so you get you the first one's free you use it for a while you get to like it and maybe in six months from now or so they're saying okay now you need to subscribe to our site that said since they said that microsoft came in and invested a whole bunch of money in this company i think it was like a billion dollars or something like that and microsoft's integrating chat GPT into their search engine. You remember Bing? Yeah. Microsoft tried to get going something. It's still there, of course, still works. It's never been as good as Google, but people, people like Cam and I've, I've seen other people post that, that they don't use Google anymore for general purpose questions. You know, you can use Google for searching for a website. You just want to find a website. But, you know, do you sometimes go into Google and say, how do I build us X? Constantly. Yeah. Well, and he would use what now? He would use chat GPT now on OpenAI. He would ask the same question that you would ask Google, but oh. put it in that field. Oh, I, I get it. And you get a little uh, a blurb, uh, a written blurb kind yeah. of like, an essay. Like when it Cam was. And picks the information and writes it for you. Ah. When he was first telling me about this stuff, we were sitting there at a foosball tournament between games. And so to amuse myself, I asked ChatGPT while I was sitting there with Cam, I said, uh, what's the best shot to use in foosball? And so it thinks for a moment. And I sometimes wonder if that thinking time is just artificially added in. I'm not sure. Because they have it type out the answer. Mm. It goes a row of text every 10th of a second or so, or anyway, that's fake. You know, that's fake. It has the whole text. Anyway. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the hell? Yeah. How many zillions of person hours were spent making that work? But it gave me a paragraph on every foosball shot. Yeah. It didn't know I meant forward only. So it was telling me about bank shots, which you tend to use from the back. And then at the very end of the whole write up, it says now. Which is the best shot in foosball? It's the shot that works best for you. <laughs> Which I thought is what you'd probably see in a in an article, yeah, right? That's yeah. that's probably. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome, and I, I haven't experimented much with it. I would rather that they do it the way they were talking earlier, which is just charge a monthly amount because. Even people who are in fairly low income could normally afford 5 or $10 a month mm. for what is essentially a life-changing or a certainly a writing-changing. It changes. It's, it's extremely yeah. a very powerful piece of technology because the Bings of the world and the Googles of the world are always tempted to add in twists that make money for them. Yeah, and that's – and I mean – like ad placement on Google's terrible now. When you Google something, 
you'll get like four ads. Yeah. Then you'll get a real organic result. And then you'll get another three ads. And it just is, it's a lot of work to get to the organic results. It's super cool. And the examples, holy smokes. So there, I can't remember what the letter was. I don't know if it was just a cover letter, but it was a, a letter. We were given an, a sample doc produced out of it. Yeah, that was, that was real because I'm going to help Cam out by doing some history of foosball writing. Yeah. Well, that's and what it was. So yeah. Cam brainstormed with ChatGPT and ended up writing me an email. I told him it was the clearest assignment I've ever yeah. had in all my 35 years that I was in an office environment. Yeah. It just said, here's what we're trying to achieve. Here are some steps that might make sense. And, uh, some other paragraphs in between. So I've got that and it's just like, great. Yeah. I was blown away by that. Like, document. you know, when you're starting work, it's nice to have a recipe too, right? Companies spend a ton of money teaching people to come close to that kind of thing. You know, here's how you explain something. And if you've ever tried to write any kind of guide to anything for anybody, holy mackerel, it's hard to do. And that thing just spat it out. Anyway, how many technology advances have been objected to by some segment of society, almost all of them. Everyone, right? yeah. How many were subsequently not adopted? Almost none. You know, so Luddites, well, right? Luddites are anti-technology. They don't want the cotton gin. They don't want industrial revolution. Happens anyway. This is what you call survivor bias. Yeah. You know, all the technologies that still survive today, you're going 100% of them are still surviving well, you don't have access to the long, long list of technologies that people explained why it was a bad thing and it was a bad thing. Well, I guess, I guess I'd counter that by saying the only time you get an argument about whether a technology should be allowed to persist is if it appears to be successful. If it's got some kind of momentum. Yeah. If yeah. it's a stupid piece of technology, you don't have to object to it. It dies by itself. It is actually 427. We are actually out of here. Um, we've got things to do. Buddy's restless. we got to go. Hope you're taking care of yourselves. Hope this is all working for you. Let us know how you're doing. We'll be very interested to hear. Take care. Bye.